Dish from Waitrose is an SE Creative Studio production. Fizz Beyond Carbonated Water. Introducing the Infizz Fusion by Sage. Carbonate a refreshing strawberry wine cooler or a homemade lemonade like never before. Infizz. And release. Infizz your flavour. Sage, the Infizz Fusion Carbonator, available in a range of Lux colours, exclusively at John Lewis. Our podcast might contain the occasional mild swear word or adult theme. Hello, I'm Nick Grimshaw. And I'm Angela Hartnett. And welcome to Dish from Waitrose. And today we have somebody that is going to make me feel extra intimidated. You are quite an intimidating presence, Angela. Me? What have I done? Just be. (laughs) For today we have another legendary chef coming on today. We do indeed. My old mucker, Mr Marcus Waring. Tell me about Marcus Waring. He's quite scary. We've had our arguments in the past, Mm -hmm. him and I. Why are chefs so scary? They're not scary. they are you. I'm not scary. You are. Is Angela scary? Yes. Such. Honestly, it's the problem with everyone in this room, they can't take it when a woman's in control. This is what I say. Oh. Gordon. Gordon. Yeah. Marcus. Sort of scary. Sort of scary. Yeah. Maybe it's the high pressure situation of the the kitchen. Yeah. Unlike radio, hangover, don't matter, drinking on the job. You can't be like, oh, make it right next time. (laughs) It's got to be right. It's got to be right. So the pressure is on. So, Marcus coming for dinner, is this a high pressure situation for you? Are you bothered? I think so, yeah. I don't think I've I've cooked for Marcus obviously over the years because we've cooked together, but Uh, I don't think I've ever cooked him dinner actually. Okay. Hot pots in the oven, looking good. Mm -hmm. Probably burning slightly now because I'm talking. Talking to you, but it'd be all right. Just smell. smell a little bit like something is burning. <laughs> it's the I, top. Done it. Do you need to get that out? We're just having a of look. Of all the guests. Can't no, burn look, it. that's lovely. Look at oh, that. Is oh, that is lovely. Ooh. Just that little bit. I'll take Ooh, that. We like a little bit, bit burnt, though. Yeah, no, that's fine. Look. Get rid of that burnt that bit. bit. That's lovely. There you go. A tip for anyone listening if it is burnt, just, just peel it off and throw it in the bin. Take it off. <laughs> done. Well, that pie is hot. That is bubbling away. Bubbling. So what are we having with Marcus today? We're having hot pot, Lancashire hot pot, hot because pot. he's from Lancashire. We yeah. call it tater ash in Manchester. Does your mum make tater ash? She does make tater ash, yeah. One of her She'd three recipes. She'd make a good one. Um, it's not my favourite food. It's not your favourite food. <laughs> See, when I was little, because I always had food like this, Yeah. like stuff with gravy or like meat and mm. potatoes, yeah. I always never wanted to eat that. Right. And I think it's because I grew up on it. So I'd always want to like try something different, like a flavour maybe. So this has a little bit of spice, a little bit of Worcester sauce. Mm. Basically, braised down lamb, neck and Not even leg. joking. I've just had a bit of an onion off the top and it's yeah. delicious. There you go. And onions, lamb, onions, mm. Worcester sauce, bit of uh, thyme in there, bay leaf, and then the crispy potato on top. That's why. Oh, that I know nice. there's a little bit of mm. tiny, but I wanted a crispy potato on top. Mm. So soggy nice. underneath, crispy on top. Mm. Now, Marcus knows his stuff. He does. You know your stuff. So-so. Mm, I have gone for the wine mm. that Waitrose suggests as the pairing. Mm, okay. It's a Chardonnay. Mm. Would you have put a Chardonnay with a Lancashire pot? No. Me neither. Which is going to either be fantastic and a great point of conversation with Marcus, or he's going to throw it in my face. I don't think he'll throw it in your face. I think his mum's brought him up properly. Right. But... Well, if it's good, 
Let's say I chose it. Mm. If it's yeah. rubbish, say, don't blame me, blame Waitrose. All right, so stop picking mm -hmm. and let's start eating. Let's get him in. Okay, let's do it. I am moments away from being the fill-in in a Michelin star sandwich. Uh, he can be pretty scary on the telly, but Angela assures me that he's even scarier in real life. Please welcome one of the UK's most respected and acclaimed chefs and restaurateurs. It's Marcus Waring, everybody. Hi, Marcus. Hey, Marcus. Welcome to Dish. How are you? Oh, very well. Thank you for coming to see us today. Nice to be As here. I said in my intro, you can be quite scary on the telly. And Angela did say you are can be quite scary in real life. Not outside of the kitchen. Look how he's staring at you now. Just in the kitchen. You. It depends which buttons you push. Okay. Yes. Can you tell us the no buttons right now? <laughs> Just so we know. Push away. Okay, push away. We thought maybe wine first up might be a yes button. <laughs> Like, you know, lube him up. Let's get him. Come lube on. Up. Let's get him happy. Cheers. Cheers, Marcus. Nice, yeah. nice to meet you. Cheers, you yeah. too. Thanks for coming to see us. What have us. we got, Nick? The suggestion with what we've cooked today from Waitrose is a Chardonnay, an Australian Chardonnay, which we did discuss not the obvious choice with a lamb hot pot, is it? Such a massive vintage. 2021. There you go, you see. It's ancient. <laughs> so old. It's so old. Oh, you've dug deep here, haven't you? The message that Angela got today Fine from you. Fine wine only. Yeah. Fine wine only. She said Fine. Yeah. <laughs> I never said that, Mark, because I just said bring your own champagne. Where is it? Oh, it's in my yeah. bag. I've actually, oh, actually, yes. actually, I've got two treats. So, Nick, I've got you and me a present. Oh, oh wow. I like that. You and me. You and me. Oh, oh wow. wow. I bet you, he's got, got me bloody you. orange juice or oh, something. Right. What have you got Something me? for the dog. Oh, little Betty. Betty, because when you put that APB out on, on social media. Yeah. Do you not think, though, that that dog just may have wanted to get away from you? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it wasn't lost. You know, my wife was like, you've got to put it out on social media. So said, that dog's never going to be in Wimbledon. <laughs> my old boxing trainer's wife yeah. was called Betty. She had no teeth. She used to suck a jam sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Betty, Betty has Betty. all her teeth. She used to like a jam sandwich. Is she happy? Give her those from me. She's Give very happy. Yeah. Stay in East London. Yeah, oh, I like the idea of you saying maybe she wasn't lost. <laughs> Okay, here we go. Champagne from Marcus. Sang on, this is your own champagne that it's you. It's a blend that I blended with Gosset. Oh wow. So, and where can you get it? Only in the restaurant. In the restaurant, yeah. Only in the restaurant. Oh, my restaurant and, and our restaurant, this one. Our little and restaurant. So it's exclusive wow. to just us. Oh. A real treat. Thank you, Marcus. Right. Thank you, Marcus. That's very kind. How of often you. are you cracking a bottle of this open at home, Marcus? Daily. Are you? <laughs> Little bottle daily, bottle of champers. We're pouring this not in a champagne flute. It's apologies, fine. Marcus. Yeah, it's It'd fine. be all right. Angela normally just drinks out of a mug. Don't it's you? fine. Out of yeah. a bottle. Why yeah. did you blend it with Gosset? What's this? Gosset came yeah. to because they wanted a champagne. They want, I didn't ever believe that champagne could work all the way through a meal. And so I had a great relationship with Gosset. We got together and the chef de cave wanted to make champagne. I had a memory of a, a, a glass of champagne years ago. Don't know where it was. I don't know what champagne was. Maybe I just had too much. But I remember this velvety, very smooth, beautiful champagne, and it intrigued the, the chef de cave, who's the, the guy that basically blends the champagnes in the houses. And he just wanted to make a blend for me on a memory that I had all those years ago. And then the relationship just grew from there. And the nice thing about it is, you know, if you do something, it's yours, it's for your restaurant, it's your guests are the only people that can buy it. So the idea is you could drink that throughout the whole meal. It's not just for it's like a, at the starter yeah. or a little celebration mm -hmm. at the and end. They, and then when they, we went to Gosset and they took me to a restaurant and they opened, I think it was about 10 different vintages through yeah. a lovely tasting menu. And nice. I was convinced at the beginning that I'd be sick of champagne at yeah. the end. No. 
Really? And I love those lessons in life where you learn something new and someone shows you this new direction that you don't believe is possible. Mm. And that's what I love about meeting experts such as the people that make champagne or even wine or anything really, to be honest with you. Yeah. Fab. It's delicious, it is. You can We can make it as part of our yeah, little uh, repertoire this, here on Dish. We could have this yeah. just constantly every week. <laughs> be all right, so tell us about the farm, what happened. You're the man who used to work seven days a week in a restaurant from seven in the morning till I two do. in the morning. I still do, Ange. I'll just tell everyone I am. I'm not <laughs> I go around and so far, get away with yeah, it. Yeah. Anyway, go on. Life's moved on. We've changed. Mm. And you know, you can either commit yourself 24-7 all your life to a kitchen. There's nothing wrong with that. And chefs do do that. But there's more to life. There's a bigger picture. There's a bigger yeah. world out there. And so all of my years of being in restaurants, for the 35 years I've been in a kitchen, it was really the years of being able to go into MasterChef that, that showed me this new direction, something mm. a little bit different. I know it's a TV show, but it also is giving back to a generation of chefs that would never be noticed without competition. And what you do is you go through this process of developing young people who just explode with enthusiasm through this competition. But your chef, just, current chef at Marcus's, yes. is from MasterChef, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, he's Craig, the one and only chef in eight years that I've ever employed. Wow. wow. Naturally gifted young chef. And now really. he's running it, or he's running a one show, star. Yeah. He's That's running it amazing. Yeah. It's not for everybody, yeah. and it's horses for courses, and you've got to be at the right time of your life, yeah. as you know. All the things need to sort of align Slotting, for you to be able yeah. to take that. When I started, it was me, myself, and I, and I couldn't care less. I came to London with a bag and some chef jackets and a roll of knives. Everything else from there was an add-on to who mm. I was when I started. My wife, my kids, my dogs, my bloody cats. Cats. <laughs> so you do love dogs, no, including Betty. Betty's all right. They all came after that. So they become an addition to yeah. what I was when I left Southport at 17. Mm. Uh-huh. And what was it when you were younger that made you be like, I want to be a chef? My father and my brother. Mm. I had two things. I'm from Southport. It's seaside town. Not a lot going on. If family was everything, I had a dad who was a workaholic and a brother who was a chef who I idolise and still do. Big brother. And the three things in my life were the family, boxing, and working at my father's warehouse. And as time went on, there was a time in my life where there was the choice, do what your dad does or do what your big brother does. Because where else would I go? There was no careers officer in my school. There was no one told me what to do, where to go. There was no advice on zero. In fact, I need to go back to that school and sort that problem out. (laughs) Do that after this, record. Mm. Straight up there. Um, Brian was cooking at the time. Brian was a chef uh, and a boxer. His big brother. And so when I worked with my dad after school, from the age of 11 up to the age of 17, I'd leave school, 3.30, I was in the warehouse at four o'clock and I was working for another three or four hours, go home, have some tea, go to bed. And then the weekends, I used to do the same. And on the Saturday and Sunday, I used to go and work in the hotel that my brother worked in. So I had this dual role. There was no social life. There was no friends. There was no mates. I never had a friend and nothing. I just had a job and a school. And I know that sounds really weird. It had wagons. It had forklift trucks. It had characters. It had my nana. It had tons of tea, Mm. you know, and it had characters telling dirty jokes and doing all (laughs) weird. Great place to be. And that's the way life was. And so dad said to me at one particular time, you're not coming into the family business. And I was 14, I was on the back of a wagon. I can remember it was like yesterday, we were doing something. He says, so go and find yourself another career. You're not coming into the family business. Mm. Quite devastated by that, actually. And I couldn't, they never really explained what it was. It's only until later on in life I, I understood what he meant. Uh, and so there was two things of work, dad or, or chef. So I went into kitchens. Dr. Walter felt great, easy. And then they both sent me to catering college. 
I wanted to do a part-time course and go and work at my brother's hotel. What was the first restaurant you went to in London? Savoy. Oh, Savoy, that's right. So I, let, I did catering college for yeah. two years and then came to London, just turned 18. And I was in a competition in catering college called uh, British Gas Catability. And it was a national competition. I got to the finals. I didn't win, but there was a judge in there, Jack Neighbour, who was a lecturer at South Trafford College in Manchester. He said, I really love the way you've worked because I had this precision. And that time in the warehouse of ingredients, fruit, veg, look after them, tidy, brush up. I was like it in the kitchen. And he saw that and he said, would you ever think about leaving Southport? I know Anton Edelman at Savoy. Would you be interested to go work at Savoy? The rest is history. The door was opened. I went straight through it and I never looked back. And without that precision that my dad taught me, I would never have been the chef that got spotted in a competition that I didn't even win. Everything was immaculate. Everything was in the right place. Everything was clean. And that was the age of 16, 17. Wow. No, he's always worked like that. And I owe that to my dad. Mm. And, and when you're working and you work with Ange, does Ange work like that? A mess. Oh, How has she even got to the restaurant? I don't know, on a bicycle. <laughs> She's practically half asleep. I was always late. I was always, always late. Yeah, half asleep. Day. She used to chain it up outside. No one would ever nick it because it was a pile of rubbish. <laughs> you carry on talking about me. I'm just going to get the hot pot. She's just going to stick her head in the oven. When she came to do her trial, we all asked, how long will she last? I gave her two weeks. <laughs> Two weeks. No, two weeks. We all lost the sweepstakes. She stood in there. in there. She absolutely did uh-huh. it. She knew she was unbreakable, uh-huh. but we didn't know what we had on our hands. We had Angela Harnett. <laughs> they did try to break me. Nick, we, did. Did they try? we did. We tried <laughs> our best. I just, it's so mad. Like, the more I've, like, you know, since I've come to London and, like, seen in restaurants and seen how chefs work and seen how Angela works, it's so different to what I imagined. I thought oh, it was quite nice. They're all hanging out and, like, cooking. Oh, and it's. Brutal. Brutal. And like, you know, you've got to be, have such a specific mindset to work in that kitchen, like the hard work and the hours and the dedication and the precision and like the energy in there. The problem I had, I was the sous chef. Right. So I was the idiot that had to try and control everybody. Mm -hmm. And I couldn't even control what I was doing. (laughs) Chefs in that era, we were never taught to manage people. Yeah, that's true. It's this season. Don't start wearing. Can we get an extreme close up on (laughs) on the first mouthful? I can't. I'm wait. just gonna go and sit in the corridor by myself. Come and sit down. Come on, and you. And talk to Betty. Come on. <laughs> Love Betty. You said one of the nicest things to me that first Christmas after I'd been working 17, 18 hours a day, yep. late every day. I used to go to a stage where I'd go through the week. You'd start on a Monday, and I'd wait. And I'd be every Monday. I'd go, oh God, I've got through Monday without being bollocked. And then Wednesday, something would get <laughs> screwed right, up. Something, yeah. And Marcus would look at me, and Freddie was there. Would look, and I go, what, what's happened? God, I'm trying to make it to Thursday without being bollocked. It yeah. took me probably about four months before Gordon <laughs> did not shout at me till day four. And does he shout at you like how he shouts on the telly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. What we didn't realise at the time was we were in the SAS. He was our leader. He was an absolute superstar chef, um, but he was obsessed and possessed with perfection. Mm. We weren't. He mm. worked three years with Marco White and he was a focused cooking machine. He'd worked with Marco White, he'd been to Gavroche, he'd been to Joel Robichon, he'd been to Guy Savoir, and then he just opened yeah. the aubergine. So and he, he was the new on kid on the box. Fire. We were basically working with a rock and roll mm-hmm. cook. Yeah. And he was. And I knew him because I'd worked with him at Gavroche. I was the first person he ever employed. Oh, the wow. first person that Gordon Ramsay ever employed. So I became the sous chef, but I was unqualified for the role. I just had a work ethic that lasted. That's what I needed to get through that. Two years of. I opened the kitchen at quarter to seven. I was up at 5.36 and I was the only person that had to lock the kitchen because I was a sous chef six days a week and it was never before one o'clock the next day. And he'd get told off because Gordon would try and send me home early 
and I never wanted to, so I wanted to be part of the team. Yeah. What do you mean, send your mother Well, away? basically, he'd, she was he'd, a girl. He was a girl. Oh. So Gordon would go, no, I don't want her in the kitchen. And I remember him going, will you just get out? So then I followed Gordon up into the restaurant and then said, I don't want to be sent home early. And he never did after that. Yeah. And well, I regretted it you. for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you were all like similar ages. Was it quite like fun when you did? I think I'm a, I'm a few years older than you. I'm about, yeah. three years Gordon's junior. So Gordon's 55, 56, I'm right. 52. Yeah, yeah, I'm in the middle. Yeah, yeah. between, yeah. So we're all so similar. So you all like sort of similar yeah. ages. So what age were you all at the aubergine? About 24, 23, 24. Well, this sounds like it needs to be a TV show. Well, yeah. Like loads of chefs but, yeah. having fun, under pressure. I mean, they Late were nights in London, the rickety bike. Really <laughs> <laughs> I can see it. What did both of your families think when you were working them hours and, and doing that much work? Because I remember when I started doing radio and mm. DJing at night and like doing whatever, my mum and dad were like, That's a bit, what, what time are you working? What's yeah, going yeah, on? Yeah. How much are you getting paid? Did they think you were nuts or were they like fully supportive of you both? For me, my dad always, you stick at it. Mm -hmm. Work hours? It was easy. Oh, yeah, it was easy. Yeah. And I think your mum was a massive support for you. Yeah, but I do remember one Easter crying. <laughs> mum going, why are you going to work in that place? So I just got to do a year, mum. If I do a year, yeah. then it's fine. Yeah. I'll be fine. And to be fair, I did the year. And then I said, I'm out of here. Did you do a year? And then I did a year. But then I oh. carried on working for Gordon in other capacities. I was working with Marcus at mm -hmm. Petrus. You know, we also have to remember that. And anyone listening to this, well, why on earth did you do it? Yeah. We did it because... We wanted to. No one no forced, one forced you, us. Yeah. We did it because that's we we the food was cutting edge of the moment, yeah. and there was a little bit of sacrifice. Well, there's a lot of sacrifice you had to put into it, but what that did and what that created out of yeah. myself, Angela, and a few other chefs, um, uh, quite a few other chefs, but not many, it gave you a, a grounding of, mm. of a reality. Mm. When I went to that restaurant, my CV said I was a fabulous chef because I'd worked here, 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 and here. When I got in there, I was just another chef with a CV that said I was a great cook, but I was just yeah. a normal cook. It's Gordon turned us into great cooks. We all got our opportunity. Mm. You got yeah. yours. Actually, in fact, if anybody got the biggest opportunity out of all of us, it was Angela, because we all got given restaurants to run. <laughs> Angela got given a hotel to run. <laughs> <laughs> right first afternoon tea. She had no clue what she was doing. <laughs> really didn't. Oh, wow. God. How old were you then? Yeah, I was coming up to be 30-something, yeah. I used to feel for you a little bit on that one. Well, also, because it was taken over from a line of male chefs. Mm, and it French. was such this, you know, no. historic hotel and restaurant. And people just were slagging me off before I'd even put, you know, an apron on. It's like, she <laughs> won't know what she's doing. What does he know what he's well, doing? Also, a lot of people took the hats off you yeah. as well. Yeah. Because you did something that no other female chef had ever done in this mm. country. Angela Hartnett has rewritten what being a chef is all about for women. And all of these stories are forgotten because we don't tell them very often. Mm. And they are a, a long time ago, but a little bit like the lionesses. They go out, look at them. They're inspiring a whole new generation. Yeah. Jesus, I was being a bit nice there, wasn't I? Yeah, I thought Marcus got possessed then for a minute. <laughs> okay, so what are we eating, Ange? So at Lancashire Hot Pot. So I know your dad and Brian would be very polite about this. No, I'm going to be very polite. Are you going to be very polite? Delicious. Thank you. Really oh, nice. lovely. I was just thinking, it's probably the only time I've oh, ever cooked good, for you. Yeah, yeah, and it's so tender. Yeah, you you know the nice thing about this? You've kept it real. Mm, kept yeah. it nice and delicious and simple. Perfect, that's what you mm. want, you see. Mm. It's very good. That is tasty. No offence to my mum. Nick, <laughs> <laughs> Nick was saying his mum used to cook for her meat for four days. It would oh my be God, like, days. Yeah. Days. days that her. is good. And then it just disappeared, didn't it? Because yeah. it mm -hmm. just disintegrated. Mm -hmm. mm. And broccoli, like 40 minutes. Yeah, love it. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> well, sometimes the night before. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not joking. 
Cook it the night before. How's the farm then? Now you're loving it. I don't know how it started, but I've never, ever got into the soil of anything apart from... When I left home, I, I was straight into a kitchen. So I'm the son of a fruit and potato merchant, but I haven't got a clue how anything grows. Mm. I've never been to a supply chain. I've never been to go and meet anybody to do with food. I ordered it, it came. If it was crap, it went back. If it was good, it got cooked. The world's moved on and it's changed. And it, I realised that my circle was incomplete. And so by stumbling on something with no intention of doing anything like I've just done, I've always been a fan of growing things. I've, I've always had, whenever I've got a, a flat or a house that I bought, it was a little house in Wandsworth. It was a new build and had this little garden. Because it was a new build, it just had a lawn. So there's nothing in it. And I used to come home and on a Sunday, go to the garden centre, plant something and plant something. And before I know it, you got a garden. Chelsea yeah. Garden arrived. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I just love growing things. I don't know why. Yeah. It, it, well, it must a... be your dad. No, I don't know. Part I've been that. to lots yeah. of farms and I've been to lots of yeah. people and I've done a lot of different things. But I just have this love for putting things in the ground, but I never knew anything about it. As I've got a bit older, I've started watching Gardener's World. I love Monty Don's dog, who I think has got the <laughs> nicest life. I know. Just to sleep Monty. in Monty Don's he's got, he's, Yeah. When I watch Gardener's World, mm-hmm. you know how people used to talk to us, Angela? When you cook, you make it look so easy, and I don't know how you do it, and yeah, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. You're like, I watched Gardener's World, and it drives me mad. I'm, I'm like, how does he do that? How does he remember yeah. all those names? Who actually even speaks Latin? Mm. Everything's yeah. in Latin. Yeah, like, how does he know? <laughs> what's, what's wrong with him? Mm-hmm. And so it became this obsession, mm-hmm. and that's where the idea of Tells Me Kitchen Garden was born. Yeah. And so the idea is that I bring new life back to the garden. So two mangalitsa pigs, two longhorn cows, long sheep, ducks, geese, all sorts of different yeah. things. And so the idea is that I'm a specialist chef looking for the artisan farmer. Yeah, because on the programme I saw this, people who are coming from yeah. the village and the town and yeah. just coming to help do their bit of the gardening. Yeah, take well. the glut of yeah. apples that I can't Brilliant. use. Mm-hmm. I remember, it's the same in Italy and it's probably here, you used to have your, you know, you'd have the bakers in the village or the town and everyone, no one had an oven. So you'd take your hot pot and you'd put it after the bread had been baked to do that mm. sort of thing. And it's a way we're going back to how it should be, part of a community yeah. and what we should be Something doing. Something we've forgotten. Yeah, exactly. And, and I, think, yeah. I think maybe COVID has made us all rethink and re, yeah. recharge, relook at yeah. what is around us. I mean, you've got an Italian background, which did make me laugh when you told me all those years ago, because like, you're about <laughs> as Italian as I am. <laughs> It's like, what are you talking about Italian? It's like, Italian's down, I'm just doing all this Italian food. She's got an Italian grandmother. I said, who's this Italian grandmother? I think she just made her up. People still think that. I know. Neil's convinced. Well, she's just, she's just yeah. very good with pasta. Um, so... When can I come and see the farm? You can watch it on telly, aren't you? No, I want to come. I want to come in person. You to tune in, honey. I want to bring Mum down. Huh? She'll love it. Mum will love it Do you think there. your mum loves Marcus? She loves think, Marcus. The thing is, though, when I started this... I wanted the lawn to be in straight lines. I wanted no weeds and you wanted all this. And I took my chef's head into the farming world and it just isn't like that. No. It's the opposite. Which is good for you. That's why I say I need some help. I'm just saying it relaxes you, Marcus. Yeah. Does it relax you, do you think, like allowing just it to be? I yeah. tried to convince Mother Nature that I was in charge. Oh, and I got stuffed. Yes. <laughs> I went to learn about rewilding, which is allowing nature to take its natural course, but you work together. Yeah. And so what you're doing is you're allowing things to be natural and overgrow. Mm-hmm. But if you do your bit and that let Mother Nature do its bit, you'd be surprised what comes out of it. Mm. And there's so many examples on the show of where that is so relevant. Everything was blocked out. There was fences up and there was deer fences. Everything's come down. I can wake up and see deer walking through the gardens and walking mm. through the estate, wild rabbits. You can have foxes coming in looking for the chickens or going to look for the ducks. You've got the wild geese, you've got the mangalitsa pigs. There are three long sheep that are just wandering around at the moment, mm. just eating absolutely everything. 
in life you block them out because they're a pest. Mm. If you let them do their thing, then you can all enjoy yeah. the space together. And I think that's a game changer for me mm. because that's the opposite of what I'm about. Yeah. Mm. You lock it up, you put it in a box, and that's where you leave it. Have you got bees? Yeah. Mm. Oh, good. Ange has bees. Have you? We've got yeah. bees, yeah. We'll swap bees. you some honey. Oh. Ange bought me for my birthday. Yeah. Uh, she got me a knife, proper knife, yeah. thank God. But the other thing she brought me was honey. Yeah. And it was honestly so delicious. Because like some of my neighbours like will grow tomatoes or grow fruit yeah. and veg or whatever. And I can taste the difference. Yeah. And me, she's like, you can't. It's just because they've said, I've grown these. Yeah, and I'm yeah, like, yeah. No, 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 I can tell. What's a bee eat? Flowers. No. Honey. What, the bee, We're oh, the bee eats food, honey. Yeah. I thought they just made it. Well, they, they do. do. But for the mates. For them. Got it, yeah. I thought they just made for it for mates. us. I thought they were many assistants. <laughs> I always ask this about Ange and she's like, no, no one's bothered. But when people see you walk into a restaurant, do they shit it? I've never checked. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Excuse me, can I see the chef? But yeah. <laughs> But I hope so, yes. Do you know what I mean? When you call up and book, are they like, oh, God. Yeah. It's been done to me on many occasions. Uh -huh. yeah. I hope the chef just does what they do. Um, I think chefs are the easiest people to cook for. Yeah. If I'm just honest. happy someone else yeah. is cooking for them. Yeah. It's when a chef tries too hard that yeah. you can see it and you can feel it. Yeah. And, and, you work in that, and then you think, come on, just relax. Mm. Just stop trying to show off. Mm. Because chefs of our era and our age... We're not going to see a young cook reinvent the wheel in front of us. We just want some lovely food. Yeah. You know, so you, you hope that they can sort of relax. But it's, uh, yeah, just, I don't know, it's down to them, really. When you pick up a menu, what do you see? And you're like, oh, God, I hate that. Slow-cooked egg. I hate that Slow one. Slow-cooked egg? People do. In Michelin, there's certain chefs that will do a slow-cooked egg or... They'll cook an egg and then they, they like slow cook it and they grate it. I can't deal with any of that nonsense. Uh -huh. All that foam. Foam I can't be dealing with. <laughs> and I can't deal with when you go and eat and then they say, would you like to see the kitchen? I'm too old now to see any more kitchens. <laughs> it's like, I know what a kitchen looks like. I own a few and I have yeah. one at home. Yeah. You know, I don't need to see a pan. You know, so I know that's rude because, you know, when we were younger, we'd go in the kitchen. Oh, lovely. Oh, nice lovely. <laughs> but, you know, it's the weirdest thing, isn't it? It's like just ruined your night. Yeah. You sat there, maitre d's like, would you like to come like, see like, the oh, kitchen? Oh, oh God, no. no. I'd rather wash up. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'd go in the pond, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What about you, yeah. Marcus? Is there anything that you hate on a menu? I hate when you go out, you're like, oh, not that. No, I don't, I don't have any issues. I actually really love going to any type of restaurant. Mm. Yeah. But I don't mind going to a restaurant where you have a bad meal. I don't mind that you at don't? all. No, not at all. Why? Makes you feel better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, what a <laughs> waste of money that was. But oh, that makes me feel so much better. Are you guys expected to cook on Christmas Day? Because if you were in my family, I'd be like, oh, Marcus Waring's got the free tea on. <laughs> Like, Angela's doing the spread on Boxing Day. Come on. <laughs> I think the last, last place you'd find Angela on Christmas Day is yeah. in the kitchen. <laughs> Love her head buried into the drinks cabinet. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Along with the kitchen. Along with the kitchen. Side by side. Yeah. No, yeah, do you, you guys it, have to cook on Christmas Day? If you're going to spend Christmas with anyone, you want to spend it with a chef. Right. I, mean, yeah. I mean, everyone says in lockdown, mm. it's the best thing to be in lockdown mm. is locked in with a chef. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Christmas. Do the kids get involved? They yeah. must do, yeah. We all do. The, kid, yeah. the kitchen. Look, our kid, my kids love food. We, we, yeah. Everyone's involved. Family comes over. Mm. So I love Christmas pudding. I love mince pies. Yeah. And I love all of it. Yeah, same. But I love a turkey, though. I love a turkey. Yeah, I love a turkey. What's your top turkey tip, then, for anyone listening who's thinking, oh, the turkey, Go can't on. do that. Bone and roll the legs. Ooh. Oh. Just cook the crown. Just cook the breasts on their own. Oh, my mum does that. Does she? Yeah, she does do that. Yeah. Wrap the leg, bone the legs up, bone yeah. the legs out, and, and stuff it full of Paxo stuffing. Yeah. Paxo. It's got to be Paxo. I do like oh, Paxo, Paxo stuffing. Bought from yeah. Waitrose. You yeah, get, yeah, you get, get that. Yeah. Waitrose. Yeah. Waitrose. Yeah. Yeah. Waitrose. Yeah. If it's free, it's for me. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's my mum's top she? tip. Yeah, she does that. When was your best Christmas? I think it slaps every year, if I'm honest. Yeah, every yeah. year. It's best on my ones. Do you know my ones? Lockdown. When no one you didn't have around. I said to my voice, it's like awesome. <laughs> so, MasterChef, the professionals. The professionals. The professionals. The juniors. Would you do not professionals? I haven't got the patience no. for the amateurs. Yeah. <laughs> no, just, no, no, no. Never mind the no. celebs. Oh, that's another, that's another level. That's another game altogether. The stories of the celebrities. <laughs> oh, no, I, the, when Greg tells them Some what they like, so funny. Funny. Yeah. Some of them, it looks like it's the first time they've cooked. Well, some of them, they've just opened up a packet their whole mm. life and yeah. then suddenly realise that a vegetable actually comes out the ground. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And they venture into that studio. The minute those doors open, you walk in, it's, yeah. it's a different world. I watched it in 1980-something when Lloyd Grossman has been yeah. around for such mm. a long time. Mm. So many people can relate to Master How do they get to the final stage? Because, what, is it 12, 20, when they get they, to the... Like, how do they get yeah. to... They cook, Angela. No, That's no, like, but <laughs> do you know what I mean? Is it a CV? Do they have to cook a, oh, a to thingy get, to get to the actual... To the studio. Yeah, the studio. We are not involved. Do you just know them when they come in the studio? We don't know anybody. We don't right. know where they cook. The minute they walk through the door, we know their age, we know what position they are. Yeah. They cook in a pub in this part of the world yeah, and that's, and that's it, it, yeah. that's it. We don't have any, the thing really interesting about my chef is that it's so beautifully made and produced. It's so respectful to yeah. the chefs and their care and that they're stepping into this really difficult place of a studio. Yeah. It's a TV show slash competition. It's not a yeah. competition and it's not a TV show. It's both. It's such a hard competition because of the pressure that is wrapped around you of cameras and producers and directors and home economists. I and don't think people realise that when you're there chopping away or you've got even like earlier on you know even when you do these sort of things it's knowing that okay I can put a hot work that can hold yeah. but you know I did a steak earlier and I knew it was going to be cold by the time I served it because it's sitting there but if yeah. you've got a tv crew and you it's asking tough. you questions yeah. and that's about to yeah. boil mm -hmm. over that's really I don't well, think they get it stressful making your tea anyway anyway <laughs> yeah, exactly with, with, with the telly on in the corner yeah <laughs> watching sometimes though MasterChef if you watch MasterChef with Angover too stressful <laughs> like it is too the music and like Bake Off you think oh that would be nice in Angover <laughs> too stressful because <laughs> it's like dun dun there's a turning point in MasterChef where from the fear and the unknown becomes the obsession mm. of the cook mm. there's this tipping point and it yeah. comes at different stages of the show where they become I could actually maybe win this or yeah. I, I could go a long way in this competition. Mm -hmm. And you see this young cook, or any cook for that matter, young or old, turn 360 and think, wow. It's a roller coaster ride, but it's a journey that changes them forever. And do you know when the real eureka moment is for every cook that goes on the show? It's not when they're on the studio. It's when they're sat at home watching themselves yeah. on television. Yeah. That's when they're like, with their loved ones around them, yeah. even, you know, 32, 38 chefs, you've only got one winner. Yeah. It's how you send the others home. Mm -hmm. It's the key yeah. to success of what we do. 
making them go home feel like they've had an incredible experience and something they can go away and build on. That is the most magical part about the show. Well, we'll watch you on the telly this week, Marcus. MasterChef, The Professionals, the final this week. Make sure we're watching. And have a great Christmas. Oh, it's great to see you. Nice to see you. Great to see you. Thank you, Mark. Pleasure. Thank you. If you would like to recreate today's dish for your friends or family or maybe a stranger in the street, head to waitrose.com forward slash dish recipes. That is where you'll find all the meals we've ever made on the podcast. Follow Dish wherever you get your podcast so you'll get it delivered to your device every week. And if you enjoy it, please leave us a great review. If you don't, listen to something else. <laughs> we can't all have a Michelin star chef in the kitchen, but you can get some Michelin star advice. Email your questions for Angela, wherever they are, to dish at waitrose.co.uk. Waitrose. Food to feel good about.